Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm so excited about today's guest. Let me start with this. When was the last time you experienced a major shift in your perspective? A moment when you learned something that changed your paradigm so significantly that the way you once saw things is forever altered with a new viewpoint. So begins the book, The Stewardship Principle by Gainalyn Condi. Stay tuned because today Gainalyn is on the show to take us deeper into what that paradigm shift is. And I, for one, needed that shift. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Gainalyn Condi is a popular motivational speaker. She inspires with her honesty and her authenticity and her fantastic spirit. She is a dedicated woman. She's dedicated to her family and her faith and to inspiring others. And a little bit about her, Gainalyn, she's experienced healing from major chronic illness. She's the mother of two miracle children. And she also had, if you remember from um, a couple of years ago on the show, she has a sister, a 40-year-old sister who committed suicide. And since then, Gainalyn has constantly been working towards suicide prevention. So she is a loud voice. She is passionate about sharing principles that empower other people to live with more joy. And this is one of them, this idea of stewardship rather than ownership in our lives. And because it was such an important concept, like enlightening concept to me, I'm super excited to share it with you. She is a regular television and radio guest, and she hosts the popular Real Talk and The Middle. Gaitlin, are both of those podcasts? They are, but they're also in video format. Okay, so on YouTube, right? Yep, all the podcast platforms and Instagram and Facebook. Everything. So Everything. She, she talks and she writes books and she's encouraged thousands of people all over the world. So today... We get some more. Dana Lynn, welcome. So happy to be back with you. Me too. I'm so happy to have you. Is this your ninth book? It is my ninth book. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I have a Christmas book coming out this Christmas 2022, and um, that will be number 10. So that feels like, I don't know why, it just feels like a good, sweet number. And yes, not, it is. I didn't think it would be 10 when I started with the first one, I can do hard things with God. I didn't have any idea this, this career mission would be what it is. So I feel really grateful. Right. And what a wonderful collection of insightful, fabulous ideas and concepts. I love that. This book is called the stewardship principle. And I want to tell you how I got introduced to it. Um, My boys have been living and learning and um, sometimes struggling in their own lives. And the other day, my ex and I were exchanging texts about how to help them. And one of the texts he sent me was a link to your discussion on Real Talk 
um, regarding your discussion of the stewardship. Wow, that is so cool. (laughs) Right. And then I walked into Siegel book and found it and got my copy and I've already read it. But I have to tell you that after listening to the principal, that after listening to the, the concepts, I really felt gifted with a piece of knowledge that was going to help me let them sort out their own way. So we'll talk a little bit about parenting and stewardship. Um, and, you know, my kids very seldom do what I suggest anyway. So it was right. a bit of a relief to consider that I have a stewardship over my children rather than ownership mm-hmm. over something that I really have no control over. Mm-hmm. I want to start with the very first most obvious question, which is what is stewardship versus ownership? Which is how I start the book, um, because for some people like your ex-husband, they may have heard me talk about it on various other podcasts or on my show. I've given a few interviews about it leading up to the release of the book. And um, the principles started to resonate with people. And and I was inundated with DMs um, asking if I'd come to book clubs and have lunch with people and so that they could ask further questions. And I kept pushing people off saying, let me finish the book. (laughs) And then when the book is out, then if you still have questions, we can talk. So I really appreciate interviews like this because Um, The book is a quick, easy read, don't you think? I mean, it's 68 pages and I don't feel like it's overwhelming to read. And and it's for men, women, teenagers, college kids, um, grandparents. It's for everyone. The cover has some artwork that really depicts that it's for everyone. And I, and I really hope everyone of every walk of life will pick it up. But when I started writing the book, I had in the back of my mind that there are some people out there that are familiar with this principle and there are some people out there that are not. And I wanted to write a book that gave a really good foundation for those that this is the first time they've ever even thought or heard of this principle. But I also wanted to give for all those people that had reached out over the last year or so asking for lunch with me or to to hear more about it, that it would give them the meat, the additional insight so they can apply the principle. And I think one of the things that is important before I really like clarify ownership versus stewardship is that a principle is that it's practiced. And I end the book with the last chapter, really emphasizing this point that any principle that we are trying to live by is not based on perfection. It's a, it's an application process. When I was introduced to this principle um, via my friend, Andrea, who I dedicate the book to um, 10 years ago, it completely reframed my thinking. And that's why the subtitle is reframing your life. It really does John Hilton gives an amazing endorsement to this book that all the great books are the ones that change the way you see everything. And, and, and I'm not saying that because it's my book, but it, it literally will change the way you see everything, all the good stuff. I think when you look at it as a stewardship is better and all the hard stuff is easier. Ownership is kind of a buzzword right now in the world. Like take ownership of your life, you know, ownership is like this kind of self-actualization empowerment term. And I just had another podcaster that I'm scheduled to to be interviewed by um, message me. And and she said, so you're saying ownership's negative. And I would say ownership is less effective. 
And what I try to do in the book is show the difference between when I'm listening to the stewardship voice in my own life and when I'm listening to the ownership voice in my life. And the quickest way for me to describe the differences between those two things is that ownership is constraining, it's limiting, it's frustrating, it's comparison, it's perfectionism, it's control. Ownership to me doesn't allow you to move through the hard stuff very easily. And in some ways it makes the good stuff in our lives become our identity. So for example, some of the good stewardships or the ones that the world would celebrate on my social media accounts are that I'm an author, I'm a speaker, I get to do television every month, I have a 31 year long marriage, I have two kids, right? Those are the things that in the world I would get likes on posts about because they're happy and they're good and they're wonderful. But if I go into ownership about all the good stuff and something changes in those spaces or I don't sell enough books or I don't get enough views on my show or um, my kids make a different choice, quickly ownership takes a good thing and makes it not a good thing. It becomes my identity. And so when I'm in stewardship, the good stuff is good. It's great, but it allows me not to be so tightly identified or entwined with that stewardship. Stewardship is everything. It's my dog. It's my lupus diagnosis. It's my sister's suicide death. It's my best-selling books. It's my not great selling books. It's my house. It's my car. It's my hair falling out after having COVID. It's my husband's job loss experiences. It's my son's ADD. It's everything. It's the shows I host. It's our unemployment. It's everything in our lives. It's the stuff we have. It's the stuff we label ourselves with. Everything is a stewardship and really nothing is mine. I mean, okay. honestly. So, yeah, this is this place. What does it mean to be a steward over something instead of to own it? So let's take, for example, the quickest way when people are like, I don't get it. Can you explain? The quickest way is parenting. I think parenting is one of those landmine um, stewardships that you get the principle pretty fast. Okay. So stewardship versus ownership in parenting is stewardship. Doesn't mean I phone it in, or I don't care for my kids, or I don't try to invest in those relationships, or I don't try to care for them and support them in what their goals are. Ownership looks like this in parenting. Your kid fails a test. Your kid drops out of college. Your kid gets put in prison. Your kid has a baby out of wedlock, your kid crashes the car. And ownership tells you that the choices of your children are your choices. It's your fault. You own your kid. And so anything your child is doing is a reflection on you when you're in ownership. When you're in stewardship, you're not saying, I don't care about my kid's cavity that I need to schedule the dentist appointment for. But think about this, when your child is under 18 in your home, that is your stewardship to make the dentist appointment. You and I both know over 18 is a whole different parenting role. My child is, my oldest is 24. If he has a cavity, it's up to him as an adult. Now he's still in our health insurance, right? So our stewardship with him is still intertwined in some way, but he is the one responsible for calling and scheduling the dentist appointment now using our insurance card. So in my mind, that's one of the quickest ways to show the difference between stewardship and ownership. When I'm in ownership as a parent, 
I start to become more controlling. I start to get more in comparisons with other parents and other kids and how they're making choices. Why is my kid not going to Harvard? Why is my child not doing dance team? Because I really care about dance, right? Versus stewardship allows for your child to make the choices that are best for them, struggle with the areas they need to struggle with. And you, it's a more empowering, less controlling, and less comparative way of parenting. Now, I slip into ownership as a parent quicker than any other stewardship, probably second only to my health because I have chronic illness. So sometimes with my body, I write about bodies in the book. I can go into ownership pretty quickly when everyone else's body at 51, they're training for marathons or their hair is growing long and beautiful and mine is falling out, right? So I hope that kind of shows quickly how It doesn't mean that you don't care about your kids, but you don't own their choices. You don't own where they end up. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt because when you're in stewardship as a parent, you still care, you still love, you still worry, you still wonder. But I have, I have really been tested in this area the last year or two, because now my children are adults. And so when your kids are younger than 18 in your home, it's easy to think you have some sort of control, like you know where they're sleeping most of the time, you know who their teachers are, you know who their friends are most of the time. And then as the teenage years start, it really starts to test the thought that you have any control at all. You can influence and you can invite, which is very stewardship thinking. You can create boundaries and opportunities in your home, that's stewardship. But when we start to think that like, I hired the tutor, I bought you the coolest backpack, why are grades like this? and you're angry, and you're frustrated, and your worth is tied into the grades of your kid, that's ownership. Does that make sense? Of course. The way that I see stewardship and that I've always looked at it is that what we have is given to us on loan by our Heavenly Father. Yep. And I think that's the simplest way to put it. We don't own it, but it also is very clarifying for me to think of things this way because When I have a responsibility over something, like you said, your dog, your house, your yard, um, you know, as a realtor, I go into lots of people's houses that are really messy and yards that are not done up. And I always, I can't comprehend it. I'm like, this is your space. Take care of it. Right. Um, I used to, I used to always say, if I lived in a chicken coop, it would be the most lovely decorated chicken coop because that would be my stewardship. That's my home. And that's where I'm giving watch care. That's how I define it in the book is watch care. Yes. Okay. And so when I think of the stewards of stewardship, I think I have been given something to watch over. And I'll tell you what, Gainalyn, this actually, this concept of me being given something to take care of, even if it's a talent, even if it's, um, an ability or a plant or anything. When I feel like I've been given watch care over something, I'll actually take better care of it than if I feel like it's ownership. You know, if it's mine, I can decide whether to discard it or, you know, whatever. You're right. Ownership, you get lots of mental things entwined with that. But when you've been given something to take care of, um, something on loan, and I see like being able to shift this, I hadn't really the reason I was saying this was so enlightening to shift this to my children is because you do take care of them. You know, you, you are almost, 
I don't know, when, when they're younger, you have so much input in everything. And then all of a sudden you have to figure out how to let go. And as adults, they get to do that. And you have stewardship to love and to support and to be that secure base, but you also get to let go and let them learn yeah. and let them make mistakes so it, and not it, take ownership of that. It's a lot of surrender. And I would just say, I love I love that a Christian audience will understand this from a God perspective, but I hope business people that maybe not from a not faith perspective will buy this book because if you look at your business in real estate or whatever it is as stewardship, I mean, you know, where we live right now, the real estate market has been insane this year, but you also know you've been in the industry long enough that there's seasons where that's not the truth, that homes aren't selling and interest rates are super high. And when we see stewarding instead of ownership, then I really believe God can guide us through some of the more difficult stewardships. It's easy to be excited when the stewardship is a new baby or a new marriage or a new house or a new car. But what about when the baby has cancer or the marriage ends in divorce or the unemployment happens? Do we go to God and say, thank you for this talent? That's how I start the book. I start the book because I believe in my faith that God already writes everything that I am ever going to put in a book first. So I usually go to him and say, where did you already put this principle? And when I started this book, he showed me the parable of the talents. And in my mind, the idea was, if you remember the servants that got five talents and three talents multiplied them. So in my mind, they're the cool things. They're the happy things. They're the vacation to Hawaii. They're the promotion. They're the new house. They're the whatever it is. And, and they took those and they multiplied them and the master comes back and they're like, look at what we did. We took this really cool stuff and we made it better. And then the master turns to the servant that was given one talent. And in my mind, what I saw when I started writing the book is that is ADD or an addiction or a cancer diagnosis or mental health issues or loneliness or infertility, the harder stuff. And the, and the talent was buried. It was like, no one's going to be excited about this. This is hard stuff. The master came to that servant and said, what did you do with this? I believe God trusts us with the hard stuff and the good stuff. And if we allow a relationship with him in that stewarding, he can inspire us and strengthen us when it is challenging. I am not saying in this book that this is easy. That's why it's a principle you practice. And the reason I wrote the book with the voices at the end of each chapter, ownership versus stewardship, is because when you start to hear it and see it, then you can reassess and readjust. The quickest way I know I'm in ownership is I get frustrated. I get controlling. I'm in comparisons. I get discouraged. I get frustrated. Now I'm human. Those are normal feelings that we all have, but when it's a principle, you can shift back out. So what I usually do is when I start to feel that and see that that's when it's time to go, Oh wait, I just slipped. I'm back in ownership with my kid and I'm frustrated because I'm afraid because what if they don't do good in school or maybe they, you know, won't pay their bills or maybe whatever. And then I can go back to God and allow him in my faith. This is what I do in prayer and meditation to show and inspire me. I give him the worry because that's the quickest boundary that I've broken. I've gone into worry. And I, and I try to go in prayer and say, inspire me to know how to be a good steward in this relationship or with myself or with my bankruptcy or with my dog that keeps peeing on the carpet. Or right now, like our lawn has a fungus. And so 
we're having to spend a lot of money to get it treated because there's a fungus that's creating these crazy circle rings all over our lawn. And it's a stewardship and it matters to us because we spent many years unemployed or underemployed with no lawn. And so I want to take care of my stewardship. But if I go into ownership, my husband specifically has been the one treating the lawn. Like what's wrong with me? I mean, I'm the biggest idiot. Why, why is my neighbor's lawn looking so awesome? And my lawn has circles and rings all over it, right? It, that's ownership. When you believe that God has given you all of these things that you have stewardship over, then the idea of you turning to God for guidance in your stewardships becomes a no-brainer. Right. Like that's lovely. And I think when you're talking about the importance of a principle and practicing that principle and getting good at it, the realization that God will be there as you approach it as a stewardship is super key. Let's talk about some examples. What about stewardship in marriage? So uh, my parents were divorced when I was young and I have an amazing stepfather and then my dad remarried and I have a stepmother and then they divorced. And then, so as a, the oldest in my mind, marriage was going to be, I was not going to get a divorce and I haven't, I'm 31 married, married years, but that doesn't mean it's always been easy. And one of the things that I've learned the most is that that what watch care we give to our relationships, whether it's marriage, whether it's friendship, whether it's a cowork, whether it's extended family, when we go into it with ownership, then we start to want to, we may not have healthy boundaries. We may, um, especially if your spouse is dealing with some addiction or infidelity or, or some of those issues that are, are chronic illness. My father-in-law died of MS. So when I watched my in-laws navigate marriage, I was just talking to my mother-in-law this morning because we have some extended family, young marrieds in our family, my nieces and nephews now that are going through some health challenges. And I said to my mother-in-law, do you see the legacy you and dad left your kids, your grandkids and your great grandkids? And she's like, what do you mean? I said, you had no idea 20 years ago when you were facing caring for a husband that can't work anymore and spent the last year of his life in bed and had to take an early retirement and she had to go back to work. So they'd have health insurance that that was the legacy that you would have grandchildren that were now navigating some difficult health crises with their marriages. Right. So I would just say that's an example of that's a little tricky. Our kids and our spouses, they're easy to go into ownership because they feel like an extension of us. And so one of the things I've really learned through the difficult times and, and the more joyful, easier times in my marriage is that when I'm in stewardship, then, then God can inspire me where I need to invest or maybe where I need to have different boundaries with my spouse. Therapy, therapy to me is one of the biggest tools in helping you stay in stewardship. It brings an, an outside perspective to check you on this stewardship and it, and it can call you out when you've gone into ownership in marriages, which is codependency and some other like mental health therapy terms that people may be familiar with. You know, I find when I think about my relationship with my husband and stewardship, when I think about how do I care for him, mm -hmm. that that's cool. 
I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's like, what do I do to take care of him today instead of, which is not the usual place that at least I go to, because I'm looking to him as a partner that we go together and we get things done and we help and we got, you know, we got life to live and things to experience. So this idea of stewardship in a marriage is is powerful to me because it's what do I get to do to take care of him? This, I have a stewardship over this relationship. And you know what, before we switch stewardships, my husband and I were talking, I write about it in the book and he's very brave for me to share his personal business. He deals with ADD. He's a very patient, kind, great provider, you know, all these things. I don't deal with that issue right? I have a son and a husband that do. And we were having a discussion yesterday based on some triggers that happened in our marriage and irritation yesterday. And I was just saying like, you, you have to put up with quote unquote, my lupus and some of my um, PTSD from my childhood and some of my control issues. And then we get to navigate and make accommodations for the way he functions with an ADD brain. And I think that's an important part of stewarding is within a marriage is understanding the, the limitations of each other and the accommodations that need to happen without going into ownership, without going into a boundary violation and codependency in that, uh, and challenging each other to become and keep progressing in, in our individual stewardships, but in a marriage, his stewardships bump up against my stewardships, like, right. For good and for bad. I'm married to someone that has a set of strengths and weaknesses, and he has to deal with my set. And and so I do think it allows us a more hopeful approach to the interdependence that comes in a marriage. What about a stewardship over our bodies, our, our physical and mental health? So I, I talk about this in the book. I try to have relatable stewardships in the chapters so that the body chapter, I, I talk about mental health and I talk about, you know, my chronic illness journey. Uh, And I would just say, for example, I, I start out in the intro where I kind of try to lay the groundwork about my friend, Chad Hymas. And, and I think I also talk about Todd Sylvester in that, um, both individuals that your viewers, your listeners may be familiar with. Chad is in a wheelchair. Todd um, has another podcast and is a recovering addict. And I think in those situations, those are examples of where I say to Chad all the time, I think of his stewardship in the wheelchair as a sacred space, you know, and yet I don't think anyone wants to choose to be paralyzed and have to spend the rest of their life in a wheelchair. And I have really watched as a friend and as a colleague of Chad, I've watched him use that stewardship to contribute to the world. Um, But it's easy for him to have days where he's discouraged, where he won't dance with his daughter at her wedding. He'll be in a wheelchair, right? He he has a grandchild now, and, and I see pictures of him holding his grandchild. And I think so... I'm so inspired by those that deal with the stewardship of addiction. I think what you've learned, what you learn about God, about yourself, about the body, what I've learned through my stewardship of lupus is that I have to care for this body. I can't take it for granted. So it's not an option for me not to get regular massages, even during unemployment. I spent money on massage because I have lupus. I have arthritis throughout my body. And so supplements, massage, moving my body. I don't move my body every day so that it will look a certain way to be on a magazine. I move my body every day because 
It's a stewardship. My body needs care in a different way because of chronic illness. Well, it's not fun. I don't love it. I've gone through some hard days with it. It's frustrating, especially as I've aged. My hormones are changing again. I'm going through perimetopause, so that's affecting lupus. It's frustrating at times to know what the best source of support looks like because what was working isn't working. But when I look at it as stewardship, once again, I can go to God in prayer. I can talk to friends. And I keep my eye on my own plate because if I look at my friend's plate, their body stewardship is very different than mine. Well, let's talk about that. You know, well, let me just say real quickly, even if you're not, even if you don't have a stewardship over some kind of an illness, I think just the fact that you have a body, there's a stewardship over a healthy body too. Right. Right. You you eat well, you exercise, you love it. You don't talk badly about it. You don't make negative mental notes about yourself. Well, I mean, I write about it in my other book. You are more than enough. You are magnificent. The way we talk about our bodies and food is atrocious. We talk about them in ways of like, we objectify ourselves. We're angry at ourselves when we look at ourselves in the mirror or in a picture in a swimsuit. I mean, that's exactly a perfect example of where whether you have a chronic illness or you're in a wheelchair or you've overcome addiction, how are we talking about our bodies? Are they objects or are they stewardships? Mm. How are we talking about food? Is it our enemy or is it a stewardship? Yeah, it matters how you talk about things. That's the stories we're telling ourselves. Right, right. Let's jump forward to the individuality of our stewardships, which is what you were starting to get into. Um, When we start comparing, we start having issues with that because everybody has stewardship over different things that comes into our uniqueness. And like you brought up the parable of the talents that each person has been given something different and in in different amounts. So the question is, what will you do with the time? And the talent, whatever that may be, that the master's entrusted to you. And, you know, you hit on a lot of these stewardships as being difficult things that you have to navigate. But I also think, what about the stewardships of, you know, being given a talent to sing or a talent to um, speak in public or a talent to listen or a talent to love your neighbors? Like all of these things are stewardships that we have. I talk about my friend Katie in the book and how talented she is at baking cakes and making jewelry and doing art. Those aren't my stewardships. You know, my kids, I joke, both were born with naturally beautiful curly hair because God was like, your mom doesn't really know how to do hair. So we're just going to give you curly hair. Right. And so they use all the YouTube videos they can to figure out how to take care of curly hair. And so I love that you bring that up. A lot of people praise my stewardships of speaking and writing and, you know, the opportunities I have. If I go into ownership about that, then then that is a tricky thing too. I mean, I won't, I think, I think when I'm in stewardship about the good stuff that the world celebrates, like you just mentioned, um, it allows us to share it with the world, but not overly identify our worth tied to that. If that makes sense. I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that that's really freeing. Mm -hmm. I mean, the lovely thing about this principle is that it's freeing. You get to ask for help. You get to do the best that you can. And then, you know, know that God's your partner and you can only do so much. And, you know, what, what do you do with that? But the uniqueness was something I really wanted people to understand. So I wanted us to talk about it is that, you know, we're each given something different, whether it's a challenge or whether it's a talent. So don't, don't do the comparison because like you, you've mentioned a couple of times that comparison can, can be crippling. You know, why did somebody else get 
you know, the healthy body and I have to deal with the not healthy body. Why did somebody else get the happy marriage? And I'm dealing with this really terrible relationship or, you know, why, 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 why? But I, what I hear you saying, what I got from your book is that the difficult things that we go through, we can look at as stewardship. They are stewardships that provide us opportunity to learn how to navigate and how to manage those things. Can I quickly just mention before we lose, we're, we're out of time. I think this is also an empowering place to consider race, sexual identity, gender identity. Sometimes we look at different demographics or groups of people in the world and we see that some of those challenges, I'm, I'm thinking of race specifically, where there's been a history of where racial relations need to be improved. My friends of color, though, have taught me so much about stewarding and what they've done with their experience. Sometimes what we do is we think in our heads, the story we tell ourselves, God must love this group of people better because he gave them these stewardships. And he doesn't love this group of people because look at the stewardship they were given. I, I'm thinking of Jews during the Holocaust, right? And yet I just finished reading a book called The Choice, which I would highly recommend of a Hungarian Jew that survived um, Auschwitz with her sister and went on to be a therapist and do some amazing work with that horrific stewardship that had to do with her race. And so I also believe that when we see our identities, whether it's racial, whether it's religious, when we see it in stewardship, then we don't put value that God loves some group of people over another group of people. That's that's the point I want to make. I think that's an excellent point. Thank you so much. And as we tie up the interview, Gainalyn, is there any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us on the topic and then tell us where we can find your book? So I guess I would just say that I really hope no matter how you identify, you know, whether you identify as a Christian, if you identify whatever group of people you're in, I really hope people, the cover price of this book is doable. You know, like Amazon, Siegel, and DB right now, it's under $8, depending on the sale that's running. And, and the reason I say that is because I believe that there are so much, there's so much hurt and conflict and discord and pain playing out in the world right now. After the last two years, especially there's mental health crises like I've never seen before. And people are struggling to know how to navigate. Everyone's so polarized politically, uh, religiously in certain ways. I really believe that this idea, this principle of stewarding, if we see the world in a stewardship mindset, it will change and heal our relationships. It will give us strength to navigate some really tough things. And so I hope people will pick it up and then gift it to a neighbor because what I've heard from readers already is the minute they finish it, they want to reread it and then they want to share it with a friend and it's under $8. So you can do that. And, and I guess the easiest way to find it is my website. That's where you can find my social media platforms and links to where to purchase the book, which is just my name, which is a very unique stewardship to have my name. My name is I'm the only one that I know of in the world named Gainalyn. And, um, and so my website, Gainalyn, no hyphen, um, all lowercase.com. You can, you can find ways to find the book and find the shows that I'm on. And, and, and this podcast, this podcast will be on my website as well. So, and you can also in the show notes for this show, um, find it on loveyourstorypodcast.com and we'll have links for where you can click to get a hold of Gainalyn or to, by her book and you spell her name G-A-N-E-L-L-Y-N. Good job. 
<laughs> Thank you for being here. You're welcome, friend. Thanks for having me. I sure appreciate it. Absolutely. Here are some of my main takeaways from this concept. First, everything is on loan to us from God so we can talk with Him about how He wants us to handle our stewardships. Second, success is about our process and our efforts, not necessarily about the outcome. I perhaps got this out of the book a little bit more than I did out of our conversation, but the idea of stewardship and us learning and growing and working as we manage our stewardships isn't necessarily about us doing them perfectly, but about them being a basically a workshop as we learn and hone our skills. And the third is that our stewardships, the good and the bad, are tailor-made for us, so don't bother with comparison. And the fourth is that this whole process of stewarding is what the path to being more like God looks like. This is how we get to practice. We get to learn how to manage different things. What are you struggling with right now in your life? A child, a relationship, a health issue? Your challenge this week is to shift your mindset from owning this to one of having a stewardship over it. You have been given this as something to manage. And I want you to think about how does this lighten the load? How does this bring hope? Gain a lens contact information and a link to buy her book, as we mentioned, will be in the show notes on loveyourstorypodcast.com. And I want to thank you for being with us. Share this episode, share the love. It's just a couple of clicks on your phone to text it to someone you know and spread the love and the joy and the understanding around creating your best life on purpose. Christmas is coming up, so maybe this is the great, easy to give gift that will help share this and lighten the load as we learn to navigate the good and the difficult in our lives. We'll see you in a couple weeks.